Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, another online conversation from us here at For The Region. Now today I'm talking to an old friend of mine, um, Dave Keith. Dave is Group Director for RD Group, which is a group of three successful companies in Swansea, RDM Electrical and Mechanical Services, EFT Consult and DRS Facilities Management. And I understand that it's a 33-year milestone for Dave and his companies this month. So a hugely successful career. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us. Thank you very much, Dawn. And uh, yeah, that, that, that sounded as a quick whip through. But uh, yes, it's been, uh, it, it has actually flown. The time has flown. And uh, yes, having worked in Swansea for 33 years, we set off on uh, March the 1st, 1988. It's been a long-standing, interesting career, which has proved very fruitful for us. Uh, and we're very proud of. We're proud of our people. We're proud of what we represent in the industry. The industry that we represent, uh, electromechanical and construction sector, uh, for all our businesses, uh, has been very good to us. But we've also given a lot back to it. We believe in it. We believe in what it represents. And the training and the opportunities and the careers are brilliant. And sometimes not talked enough about our sector is uh, the engineering sector is quite often left to a side, but it's uh, some fantastic career opportunities. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into all of that with you, Dave. But what I want to start with, I want to imagine you as a young man and <laughs> you don't know, you don't know that in 33 years you're going to be the director of this group of businesses. You're just setting out. You know, what was your mindset? You know, what were you thinking when you set out in business? Were you confident? Were you ambitious? What made you want to start your businesses and tell us just a little bit about that personal journey for you? Going back many years ago, Dawn, I started off as an electrical apprentice, actually with the local authority, uh, which at that time was West Norton County Council. My father, having been an electrical engineer himself, I was always of the mindset to be involved with engineering, just simply because of the way I was brought up. Much to the, much to the amazement of uh, other family members, I was always taking things apart, but in the end, they couldn't put them back together. So <laughs> I left. I left a, a ream of broken, broken items I took apart as a child. But uh, having entered the industry, I had no idea where it would lead me. To be honest, I, I made this statement when I was honoured to be asked to be the president of the ECA, the largest engineering organisation in Britain. You know, who would have thought that when you start off as an apprentice, where it can actually lead you? And to be honest, uh, having spoken to many presidents of, of, of associations, most of them have followed that path. Uh, from apprenticeship right the way through. When I set off as, uh, as an apprentice, uh, I was always keen to do well. I finished my apprenticeship early and managed to get some higher level qualifications at the time during my four years. And then went to work as an engineer then in uh, Sydney County Swansea, actually in, actually in the Guildhall in the development department. I realised that my ambitions were perhaps a little bit bigger than that. And I felt that not being there very long, and actually at the time at 21, also being a lecturer in Gower College, which was Tico College of Further Education then, I decided to uh, step out of the comfort zone and uh, move into the big world and uh, ended up working for a local Swan a Swansea business, actually Cronus Engineering, which were very successful at that time uh, on a countrywide platform and uh, ended up going to work in Margham Steelworks on some massive projects at that time. It was the largest project in Europe. It was the um, rebuild of the, of, uh, of the hot mill, which was a massive project at that time, uh, on the controls there, and then eventually ended up working in London. And I spent uh, a number of years working in London for some of the largest companies uh, in the UK. Always with a mindset of uh, being in London, uh, missing Swansea and the Gower, uh, having been brought up uh, from the Sandfields originally in town to Dunvant, uh, and now in uh, North Gower. Always mindful of what I was missing back home. 
and came home. I gave up my uh, work in London in 1987, middle of 87, and took six months off to reflect on what I suppose I was going to do. My wife being a major part of that, dragged me back to Swansea, uh, having met her. So um, yeah, um, during the, the latter part of 87, early 88, I met up now with my, my now business partner, Richard, um, and we talked about the opportunities and going forward. Um, and eventually I joined that business in uh, March 88 as the offset of it, uh, which was owned then by PLC, and we were the manager and director of it, eventually owning it within a couple of years and taking that business forward to where we are today. So um, yeah, a long, a long story. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean to uh, go on too long, but uh, yeah, very proud of our people, our achievements. Uh, we've won many awards. We've got a 100% success rate with all our training. Uh, apprenticeships we're very proud of our apprenticeships we've won national awards it, it's about our people um, you know without our people and my team I'm nothing I, I can sell us every day but at the end of the day they come behind me and they deliver it not me so um, without them I'm nothing so I'm very proud of them all and most of them we got we got some families one's got three generations that work for us and the grandfather worked for us uh, back in the late 80s early 90s the son came as an apprentice with us, and now his son is with us as an apprentice. And we've got lots of people over 20 years, many over 15, and loads over 10. And it's about respecting people. We pay pensions before pensions you have to pay. Our, our staff are in Bupa, we look after them. And it's about making sure the corporate social responsibility. And Richard and myself are, are proud of the rates of pay that we pay people. We've always paid them the proper industry rates not what uh, market uh, drivers drive people to pay. And we've walked away against projects that we can't afford to do because people are doing it cheap. You've got to be brave at times to do that, but it means it makes sure that you can actually pay the people that you, you do value the proper rates and look after them. So that's a little bit of a, a little a little bit of what we've been doing. Seven or eight years ago, eight years ago, we took mechanical in-house. We also set up our consultancy business at that time, EFT Consult, uh, which has now been highly revered on the uh, UK market as well as the FM business and innovation technology platforms with the Welsh government. We represent a number of special interest groups for those in innovation and technology at the moment. Uh, some really exciting opportunities upcoming. And the same with national government, with the, with the UK government, we represent them on a number of platforms and we assist them in procurement, as you're aware, some of the stuff that we've done in procurement, as well as the Welsh government and the procurement policies. So yeah, quite a, quite a bit we're, uh, we're involved in. <laughs> Yeah, loads to talk about and really great to start with an understanding of where you've come from and to hear about kind of your values. And as you say, amazing to think the opportunities from being an apprentice um, to what you've managed to build up and then offer those opportunities to so many young people from our region going forward. But talk about the last 12 months, Dave. It's been a crazy year, really difficult for a lot of people. What's it been like in your businesses? It certainly has. To be honest, I classify ourselves as one of the lucky sectors simply because we've had an industry to work in. We advise through our professional bodies into what's known as the Construction Leadership Council, which have been very prevalent in trying to make sure that the construction sector kept working. And although we had some issues initially back at the beginning of COVID at the end of March last year, we had some furlough situations. We've managed to keep our businesses you know, thriving and going. Some people I just feel so sorry for. I just, I just I can't even imagine what it must be like to have your industry whipped out from under your feet in any sector. I, I, I honestly just can't. I, I sit here sometimes and think how lucky we are uh, as a business uh, and, and our sector. But the, I feel so sorry for everybody else, which is why we try not to be too stating how well we've done because we feel so sorry for others. But as an industry, we, we spent probably a month or six weeks last year at the beginning of the COVID situation, re-evaluating how we could deliver things 
make sure that we could do it safely, make sure we could do it with our people in mind. And luckily enough, we've gone right the way through the situation, managing to trade, growing a little bit with some of our opportunities and keeping a stable ship, mindful of how we could actually work within the COVID uh, situation. So it's been tough. Uh, it hasn't been easy. Uh, it's spent a lot of time, management time on, on our staff, uh, identifying how we can do things um, you know, in a different manner. Uh, but the industry has done um, quite well. And for the government, it's also seen as one of the industries that's going to drag us out the other end of it. So um, everybody's been proactive. Um, in our um, EFT business in particular, um, innovation has, is absolutely flying. Um, it's unbelievable. Some of the things that we were involved in pre-COVID have probably accelerated by, I reckon, six to 10 years. Um, simply because of well-being, um, air quality and internal environmental qualities. People have had more, to, had more time to think about how those affect us on our well-being and human-centric well-being. Um, and we have seen people now talking to us that wouldn't talk to us before now realise that's going to be a driving factor of the way forward. So we, uh, we launched our, our publicly available specification last year. Uh, we've got some of the largest industry partners uh, available in the UK. At that time, um, myself, uh, I wrote an A-list of people in the industries who would like to support us in delivering the PAS, uh, with a B-list behind it of if, if they didn't want to join us, you know, who would? And there wasn't one on the A-list who didn't join us. So it's Bizria, it's BRE, it's all the important people in our industry. Everybody, every single one of them has backed what we are doing. Uh, we're now seeing interest from, um, from Asia, from America, uh, in relation to what we're doing in, in the well-being platform. Uh, we've got a joint venture um, right at the moment being signed uh, with another, another large London company where uh, EFT will start up a joint venture with them in the next few weeks in relation to delivering platforms of well-being. Um, but the innovation... Um, controlled environment, agriculture, we're heavily involved in. We're trying to, uh, from, from my personal perspective, I'd like to leave a legacy to our area of having created something uh, of an industry, because, because, because I, I'm personally from, from an industry. I'd like to see some industry in the area, which will create jobs to be able to support the city centre, because obviously people need to earn money to be able to spend here. So, so for me, it's about trying to leave some legacy projects uh, behind myself and, and our businesses, to make sure that we're driving our industry to come to our region uh, and create proper careers and well-paid jobs for people. And to be honest, we are uh, at this moment in time talking to a huge American institution uh, who want to come to this area. Um, and they come with funding, they come with all the bells and whistles. Uh, it's about manufacturing, it's about lots of exciting things. Um, and we're working with the Welsh Government at that at the moment and very close to site. We've got an MOU in place already with them. Uh, and we're very close to signing a joint venture to launch something in this region. So, yeah, so uh, almost some sad times uh, and some tough times. Um, I think innovation um, coming out the other end of it is, is people are looking, where can they put their money? What can they do for the right reasons? And I think that we have to look at the positive items that we can grab hold of and try and grow them as best as we can. It's something I believe passionately as well that, you know, innovation is the, the key to getting through hard times. And I know in my own business, when we've re really been down on our luck, it's, it's innovation that's, that's pulled us through doing something different, finding a new solution. And I'm really interested in what you're saying there about well-being. I know you and I have spoken at length before about 
the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act and Wales kind of trying to lead the way in, in wellbeing. But you've actually created a, a technical um, innovative solution there. You called it a publicly available specification. So bearing in mind our listeners are not necessarily in your industry. Um, what you're talking about is, I think, being able to measure and specify technically um, how to build and maintain buildings so that they look after the well-being of people and planet. Tell us a little bit more about that in layperson's terms, Dave. <laughs> Certainly. The, the document is called uh, PAS, PAS 3003. If anybody wants to Google it, that's where you'll find it. Um, what it's about is um, last year we saw um, the first ever death certificate of a poor little uh, young lady in London called Ella Kisabevra, um, with a cause written on it as the air quality has um, uh, actually added to the cause of her death. That is the first time that has happened in the world, anywhere, yeah? And us as an industry have supported uh, what her parents have been doing trying to raise that profile. I can send you some information on that. It's, it's, it's quite a harrowing story, but it's factual and it's now in, in case law. That is only bringing really um, to the forefront what we've been saying for many years is that, and, and somebody told me something the other week, which I'd never heard of before. Uh, and I thought it's a, it's a good analogy of, of what we're talking about. If somebody gave you a cup of muddy water, would you drink it? Yeah, and you wouldn't. Well, that's what you've got to think about with the air uh, and the air that we breathe in relation to some of the environments that we live and work in. So um, a couple of years ago, we set out, I, I'd been in a presentation, lucky enough to be in a presentation, a top table guest at um, a Bisria presentation in London uh, with um, a doctor from Imperial College who made us aware of the generational increases in respiratory problems, especially in our children, asthmas and respiratory problems. And to be honest, that presentation was probably five years ago now uh, and set me off on this path regarding well-being. And what happened uh, was, was he, he was identifying that although we are making our homes, our built environment more energy efficient, that's at the detriment of well-being. You are healthier living in a cold, leaky, energy inefficient box than you are in an airtight, warm, moist, airtight box yeah so everybody's spending money on making everything insulated airtight uh, at the detriment of well-being and we're advising central government on this at the moment because central government and welsh government are looking at spending more money on making airtightness and energy efficient more prevalent but that is not a well environment so we set out to identify human-centric well-being and what it means and we, we spent we, we've been working on this since 2018 uh, early 2018 so it, it hasn't been a short, um, a short time getting to where we are. And we identified that the World Health Organization, many other bodies across the world, all had differing standards, different perceptions of what well-being meant. So we set out as a business and then as an industry to identify what are those parameters of well-being? What do they mean? How do they affect us? Uh, and we came up with a set of um, measurable capabilities, which starts from light, Light, light can affect you, light flicker, light color, circadian rhythms, air qualities, particulate matter, uh, VOCs, lots of different things in, in the air that we breathe affect all of us. So we came up with a, a set of measurable components uh, in the built environment of what we could meter, measure, monitor, and then eventually rectify and control. We did that on a, on a very high level platform initially, looked at what was available in the world and not, not just in the UK, the world, America, we've got American partners involved with this and everybody was stating different things. So it was very confusing. So somebody, one place can say, 
oh, well, I'm using this standard. Somebody else can say, well, I'm using that standard. Uh, and there was nothing that brought all those together. So what we set out to do was write one standard that harmonized them all. So what we did was we drafted a document, told all these other parties what our intentions were, and offered them the ability to be a part of it, because otherwise we were going to change the future of how this was looking. And they all joined. They all joined and wanted to harmonize a basic set of minimum standards to try and achieve. So um, if you look at PAS 3003, which I'm sure you will online afterwards, or, or somebody might, uh, you will see in there the partners that we've got are worldwide partners who think that harmonizing what well-being means um, to us all is a good thing to have. That support originally, I was going to do it, well, we were going to do it, we were going to do it to support uh, the Future Generations Act, uh, just for Wales, but we ended up creating a UK-British standard because for Wales, it wouldn't have been big enough on a, on, a, on a worldwide platform, although it is supported the Future Generations Act because the Welsh Government are a partner with us. Um, they are part of um, the sponsorship of the PAS uh, and the supporting of it and what it means to our people. And then what we'll be able to say in the future is that in Wales, if you want to come here and build a building, we wanted to comply with that to look after our future generations. So um, it's grown a lot of momentum. It's taken a lot of time and effort. Uh, my team have been fantastic. Uh, the team behind me, Mark and Chris and the guys, uh, who work on the technical stuff of this. Uh, as I said earlier, it's easy for me to, um, to front things up, but they are the people behind that that do all the detail. It's been phenomenal. And the support we've had is unbelievable. And in the, in the last six months, we've now got some massive institutions in America want to work with us. Um, lots of different things are happening. So yes, um, I, I'm a great believer of, uh, and, and you, you know, it's, you've, got to, you've got to think of the COVID situation as a, a war type event. Yeah, um, you know, it is that has got that effect. Uh, and out of adversity comes opportunity. Uh, and you can't keep looking at a problem. You've got to try and look beyond it and create something for everybody. And we're hoping that um, uh, these things will create opportunity for people going forward in the future. Well, I just think that really sounds amazing, Dave, and absolutely what we need um, in society and in industry, some sort of harmonisation and standardisation of how we monitor and measure things. And um, yeah, we've been talking a lot about air quality because we've been talking about transport and um, decarbonisation of transport. And um, as you say, the little girl who lost her life through that cause um, it's a real turning point. And also probably the experience of COVID has made everybody just take a breath and think a bit about um, how we go forward and how we build back better. So, um, you know, it's all very well to talk about these things in um, an aspirational way, but really important that people like you are coming up behind and making sure we've got the standards in place um, to actually make this happen as we go forward. So that sounds amazing. And what would be your advice to construction businesses and um, I suppose your industry in our region, there are lots of small contractors and electrical mechanical companies. What's your advice to them in how they develop their businesses? Are there opportunities? To be honest, there are massive opportunities. What happens is um, with well-being uh, and making people, uh, making buildings well, you get decarbonization as a side effect. So by actually undertaking a well-being um, evaluation of a premises, delivering what you need in relation to making sure that your environment is well, um, is you get decarbonization as an automatic effect. So uh, up and coming, obviously, um, under decarbonization, and obviously the, uh, the Welsh government are perceiving themselves to be ahead 
of central government, the 2050 initiative, um, there's going to be massive opportunities. Uh, heat pumps, um, new uh, new technologies coming forward, the hydrogen economy, hydrogen boilers. Um, obviously, there's a lot of opportunity. And for, for smaller businesses, uh, all I can tell them is keep an eye on the future and make sure they keep up there with it. Um, there are lots of professional bodies like mine, the ECA, uh, not that I'm selling it, but um, we make sure that all the members are aware of the opportunities. Um, we train them and give them the opportunities to do that. So I suggest that they keep a good eye on the future because the way that we are building um, and providing those services at the moment are going to change. And they're changing now very fast. We've seen our first printed houses, 3D printed houses. Yeah, because obviously there's shortages of lots of materials. Uh, working with a German company, um, they're printing houses, um, electrical and mechanical systems are, are changing completely, um, very, very technologically advanced. These aren't low uh, hanging fruit, they're well paid careers, well paid opportunities, well paid jobs uh, with highly skilled. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time to, uh, to, to be starting off. Um, you know, I, I've been there myself, <laughs> um, you know, and I know it's a, it's, it's a fearful place to be, but it's a good time to make sure you are involved, you are aware of the opportunities and you're there to be, be one of the first deliverers of it. Amazing, yeah, looking to the future. I agree, so many opportunities um, connected with the massive changes that we need to make over yes. the next decade. Um, so yeah, thanks, that's amazing to hear. Now, I've heard a rumor that you're opening a farm. That can't quite be right, but uh, <laughs> tell me about this farm project, Dave. <laughs> I'm certainly not gonna be opening a farm because uh, I don't think the animal, <laughs> I don't think there'd be many animals or crops left if I did. <laughs> The, um, we've always been one of our largest, um, one of our largest clients is the Ministry of Defence. Yeah, and has been for probably about 15 years plus. Started off 15 years ago as a couple of hundred thousand pounds a year. This year will probably be in excess of seven to eight million pounds a year. So quite, quite substantial growth in that sector. Uh, and to be honest, this year alone, um, last year we were awarded further contracts, uh, which probably equate to two million pounds a year given to us during this year. So uh, always been a major part of what we do, but we're very proud of that uh, arena that we work in. Um, we've got people working for us all the way from West Wales, right way up as far as London, uh, Hereford and the borders, the special forces we look after, um, on a lot of different platforms and we design for them, supply, install. So always been a big part of what we do. And I've had some close associates uh, and other people we know uh, as veterans. And uh, those veterans have always been greatly undervalued in relation to their capabilities and what they can do when they leave the armed forces and come into Sibby Street. You know, we, we've seen people with, uh, you know, uh, who've built Camp Bastion, you know, in logistics, being offered security guard jobs and forklift drivers. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those roles, but nobody's actually identifying what their skill sets are while they're in the armed forces before they come out and the, and the careers they can have beyond. Uh, and what happens is they come out of the armed forces having been looked after all their lives, completely not even had to look for a meal, no rents, no nothing at all, all of a sudden dumped on Sibby Street and there you are after 15, 20 years in the armed forces, get on with it. Um, and because of that, you see many, many people fall by the wayside um, because they're lost and the support networks are very disjointed. There's a little bit here, a little bit there um, and, and the perception of support is far greater than the reality of what they get. So um, uh, I've, I've been talking, uh, we, we signed up with Build Force um, a while back. I think I went out to, I was noted, um, to support the veterans. Uh, and we've written uh, with a local college 
uh, a support network around supporting veterans um, 12 months before they leave the armed forces to make that transition better. And I can tell you a bit more about that when that's all signed up and sealed. But it's about getting hold of these people 12 months before they leave, identifying what their real skill sets are, and helping them in that 12 months align those skill sets with what they can do when they come out. I'll jump straight to the farming though, <laughs> um, and, and Garrison Farm. Garrison Farm is a, a CIC and set up uh, by Chris Carrier and, and, and a few others. Uh, and the importance of that is it's about trying to create a network of uh, capability of supporting veterans. Um, and it's not just about supporting the veterans with just money or something. It's about more holistic approach as to giving them a career, an opportunity, something to grow into when they do come out. So the Garrison Farm, if you look at it um, online, it's about a support network. It's about creating eco-villages, uh, eco-homes, eco-environments. Uh, again, going back to the controlled environment agriculture that we were heavily involved in and how we got into Garrison Farm originally, um, is that uh, those opportunities are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, after Brexit, uh, we've been involved with the European Food Growers Association and others. Um, after Brexit, it was obvious that food coming from Europe um, was going to cost more in the UK at some point. Um, and the European Food Growers Association was saying, this is going to be a problem whether Brexit happens or not. Somebody's going to tax us more, etc. And, and since uh, COVID happened, everybody is now more aware of food security or the lack of food security in Britain, um, with some products being... 90%, 80 to 90% of what we're buying in some food ranges coming from abroad, which is criminal in relation to our own capabilities, our own country. So, um, yeah, so controlled environment agriculture, eco campuses, eco villages is a big part of what Garrison Farm um, we're going to try and deliver. Um, so I met with uh, their directors a number of times. Another one we're looking at is obviously Swiss Cottage in um, Swiss Cottage in Singleton Park is the ability to create uh, a drop-in centre there. Um, we're looking at Swiss Cottage itself and creating a cafe quarter there. Uh, and not just for veterans, but for anybody who's, who's, who's down on their um, um, down on their luck to be able to drop in and get some support. So Garrison Farm are talking to uh, Swansea Council at the moment about the opportunity of perhaps making that um, Swiss Cottage um, a drop-in centre for veterans and others uh, and creating a nice area to just pop in, have a coffee support network. So having met them, um, it aligned with um, our thoughts, I suppose, regard, regarding, excuse me, regarding the possibility of being able to support people properly um, with our CSR hats on. So um, I came to an agreement with the directors that we would support them for the next six months financially to allow them to employ some people uh, and start bringing some of these things to fruition. So um, I think it was last Friday was notified that we'd put a support network around CIC um, and uh, yeah, allow them to employ their first person. Um, so that person actually handed his notice in um, last week, starts working full time for the opportunity next month. And they've got our full financial support for the next six months to start taking this forward and start delivering something. So uh, it was something that aligned with us, controlled environment agriculture. We've got lots of people that want to deliver that. And it's about creating um, um, local opportunities. It's not about um, you know, one big factory or one big you know, opportunity in Wales. It's about creating one in each area uh, with a support network around it. So it's about the circular economy. It's about local agriculture. It's about co-ops. It's about the ability to do this um, in individual communities. So, um, yeah, so that was very important for us. 
Um, and as you know, we've been driving circular economies for a long, long time talking about it. Um, and this gives us the opportunity to try and create something that not only has the industry on site, but also the environment to support the people and give them careers in their own communities as well. So that's why that's why farming, not me. <laughs> not you, but we should see some lovely projects popping up across Carmarthenshire and elsewhere in the region. Um, eco villages, as you say, yeah. um, and they're specifically, you know, tackling the challenge of the climate emergency, but also creating those opportunities and using the skills of veterans um, and in a, in a really amazing way. So I'd encourage anyone to Google that Garrison Farm CIT. It's a new community interest company and we'll look forward to seeing um, that move forward over the coming months and years. Fantastic example, Dave, of how you um, you give back to the region and to the community whilst also helping others see what the real opportunities are. Um, and a lot of the conversations that we're having around um, yeah, food resilience, air quality, climate emergency, mental health, you know, you're coming at this from a, a business perspective um, and really solidly putting some support behind it. So that's really inspiring to hear. You're like us, I think, you, you believe passionately in the opportunities for Southwest Wales um, and you're very positive about it. And uh, yeah, talk to us a bit about what your aspirations are for the region. To be honest, you know, it's exciting times. Um, you know, I, I got to, uh, I, I'm one of those, um, when I took over the presidency of my professional body, we were in the middle of um, political, uh, a bit of a political mess. Uh, and I, I did say to the people at that time, uh, in my presidential speech at that time, you know, yeah, you can, you can spend all your time looking at the problem, but you've got to try and look beyond it. As tough as it may be while you're in the middle of it, you've got to try and look beyond it. Um, and that's what we've been trying to do. I'm, I said earlier, and we're lucky that our industry has kept going, mind just given us the opportunity to do so. But I see, um, to be honest, with some of the partnerships that we've made during the last 12 months, last year was, a, I suppose, for, for me personally, was a big year of speaking to people on a worldwide platform, creating relationships, talking to people with similar values. You'd be surprised how many people uh, in the business community have got real values. And I sometimes don't think that's valued enough. I think people think that we're all just commercial people and it's all about the money. It's really not. It's really not because you need to have the business to be able to create the platform to give back. Um, so you have to create money to invest in future opportunities. Uh, and we're not all capitalists and it's just about the money. It's really not what drives us. Um, so um, so for us, we see um, and say with this American association we're dealing with at this moment time with the Welsh government and with others uh, and lots of other platforms that happen, we see an exciting future. We see in a future of um, being able to take control of our waste, make sure that's dealt with properly. Um, energy generation on a, on a basis that's not coal driven and oil driven, um, you know, so cleaner environment. So for me, it's about, um, I suppose, my children, my children's children in the future. Uh, and making sure, you know, we leave a better footprint behind us than, uh, than, what, we, than what we came into, I suppose. Uh, whilst understanding, we had to go through those phases. The, the coal and the copperopolis and everything else is what made us what we are. But now we have the knowledge and capabilities to actually do something about that. And uh, it's our generation's time and my generation, I'm on my way out and the younger generations coming in to be excited and then take those opportunities to make the place better for us all. Wow, it's inspiring to talk to you. I'm glad we've had time to sit down and catch up, Dave. Um, Lovely to talk to you. Certainly 
you certainly hold me and Zoe to account and you've been challenging in the past about what we're trying to do for the region, but we uh, we count you as a massive supporter. So uh, really well, inspiring to hear you speak. Yeah, thanks for your time today. And I'm sure many of our listeners will be absolutely fascinated to hear your story, hear about your businesses and these projects that you're pushing forward. Um, so I hope to all of you who are listening, uh, this has been a useful conversation for you and do keep in touch with us at For the Region and uh, listen in. But but from all of us, thanks, Dave, for being a really inspiring example of what regional businesses can be all about. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. And all the best. Bye. And look forward to working further with you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye now. Bye.